exist among us, and sometimes they win. Even the devil was an angel once. The world has its own rules, and these rules are not human. Some of us seek answers to the origin and existence of cryptids and the unexplained. Join us as we venture beyond the known and accepted boundaries. Welcome to our nightmare. I think you're going to like it. Hey folks, good evening and welcome to Phantoms and Monsters Radio where we explore and discuss the unknown and the unexplained. I'm your host Lon Strickler and thanks for joining me. Now, the Phantoms and Monsters radio channel was made possible by you clicking the subscribe button and by you sharing our programming. Uh, Super chat and super thank donations are essential for us to continue offering you our unique content. Now, if you have a, uh, we have a few new features actually uh, available for you to show your support for Phantoms and Monsters. Uh, Like I said, we had the super thanks that started recently but also i have a buy me a coffee link and and banner which are shown below so if you're so inclined uh go ahead and click it and uh show your support to fans of monster and and your consideration is very much needed and appreciated so tonight i welcome lady ann celine to our show now ann was born with the paranormal in her blood and she has had experiences beginning with her earliest memories from ghosts, shadow entities, Sasquatch encounters, and more. Anne is a Reiki master, intuitive tarot reader, and vampire witch who loves to dive into the spiritual realm and adds an unworldly, otherworldly flavor to your, her show of, at uh, caravanoflore.com. Now, Anne is also the owner of KPNL Radio and a digital broadcasting station that airs music seven days a week and paranormal podcast after 5 p.m. Lady Anne's book is now available. It's titled Aperture in the Veil, Born in a Preternatural, Preternatural World, which explores what it's like to grow up with psychic abilities and seeing things you thought only existed in your nightmares. Uh, She has been a guest on many other podcasts and continues to offer her knowledge through various media's medium. So, Anne, good to have you with me. Good to be here. Thank you so much. I'm really excited. Well, I'm glad you are. (laughs) It's good to talk to you. I haven't talked to you in, oh, well, I haven't talked to you since I worked a case with you, I think. Yeah. Uh, And that's been about four years ago, so... um, but anyway, let's start off with uh, how did you get involved with the paranormal? Or let's put it this way, how did it uh, find you? <laughs> Gosh, well, I was definitely born into it. Uh, one of my earliest memories, I was about, I would say about a year old. And my father had taken me to the babysitters. And he had sat me in front of this big, beautiful picture window that overlooked this farm field. And it was it was morning, so you could see the sunrise and the beautiful golds and yellows and, and everything. And as I looked out, I remember thinking, and this was, again, I was only about a year old. Uh, I remember thinking, wow, I came back. And 
ever since then, I remember being in my crib and I saw shadow entities down the hallway or hands mm -hmm. wrapped around the hall. Um, and as I grew, it, it seemed like it just became more and more. So I actually don't really remember a time in my life where I didn't have stuff happening. Why well, I understand that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, I've always been, I've always wondered, you know, why things were somewhat different for me as growing up and, you know, as time went on, I finally realized that there was something different going on. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I get that. I absolutely get that. So, uh, yeah. so tell me, tell us about some of your experiences. Gosh, well, uh, I can start off with, I feel very lucky. I mean, I feel bad for my friends, but I feel very lucky because I would have thought as I was growing that maybe I was insane or something uh, with having everything happen that has. However, all my friends that have been with me have experienced something. So it was confirmation that, okay, this, this stuff is real. One of the biggest ones when I was a child was I had went over to my friend's house. We were about 14 at the time. And I talk about this in my book as well. And we were babysitting. She was in the duplex. And we had went over to babysit on the other side. Mm -hmm. Well, there was a little boy and a little girl. So, of course, they had to be separated. The little boy slept upstairs. The little girl slept downstairs. We were reading her a story. He seemed pretty tired, so we just tucked him in. But then all of a sudden, we hear this loud thud. And we just kind of listen. And we're like, okay, maybe he, he snuck out, you know, because I would do that when I was a kid. I would pretend that I was sleeping and try to <laughs> peek around to see what my dad was watching on TV. Well, I snuck up the stairs. And there was nothing, no movement, no lights on, nothing. So I went back downstairs and we, the little girl had fallen asleep. So we were talking very quietly. And then all of a sudden it sounded like somebody opened up the window and fell inside. And it just, I mean, instant fear. And I was like, okay, you're coming with me. And we went upstairs and we checked everything. No windows were open. The boy was still sound asleep. So I was like, okay, I, I, I don't know what to think about it. We heard one more thud. And as we were descending the stairs, the parents came home. And of course, I, I felt bad because I was on the stairs right where they were opening the door. So as soon as they opened the door, I screamed. <laughs> and so that was quite the homecoming. And then I bolted. And I went to her mom next door and I said, you know, we were hearing these things and she goes, oh, yes, that's been happening in the last three nights, but it gets it ramps up after midnight. And I was like, seriously? And she goes, yeah. And I said, can we stay up? Will you stay up with us? And she said, yes. Brittany didn't want anything to do with it. She went to bed. And sure enough. I mean, the, the sounds, I mean, even thinking about it now, I can feel it in my entire body. It was like somebody took a, a four-poster king-size bed and slammed it on the ceiling and drug it across a hardwood floor. I mean, the banging and the movement was just, I mean, you could feel it. Mm. And at one point, I did try to go upstairs, but it was silent. There was nothing. Brittany was sound asleep. There was nothing. And so 
eventually uh she she was very religious so she started to pray and and i was like okay just you know tell me what to do and i did it along with her and then eventually it all stopped and there was this really high-pitched ringing in her ears but after that it was it was done but that was that was pretty scary that was my first mm. really intense experience i would say uh, do you think activity is drawn to you? Do you think you're beacon? Well, yes and no. I think okay. I'm hyper aware. And I okay. think that because I'm aware that it does kind of act like a light in the dark. And so that mm -hmm. stuff is drawn to you. Like if it, I don't know if it, I mean, I guess there's stuff that does feed off of your energy. And then there's mm -hmm. also stuff that wants help. Mm -hmm. You know, but then again, if you go into the, in my belief, there's one soul, it splits off into two, well, four pieces Two stay behind as the higher self, the other two incarnate here. And before we do that, we kind of sign these contracts that say, okay, these are the things that we want to do while we're here. So we can achieve whatever it is that our soul needs to raise its vibration and help those in our soul family. So how much of it is what we signed up for? How much of it is it being drawn to us? How much of it is just our awareness? Okay. Um, did your mother or anybody else in your family have abilities as well? Uh, I, I come from a long line of adoptions on my maternal side, mm. so I don't know. Okay. Uh, not the paternal side though. I've asked. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Well, you, you may very well have something and, you know, some connection that you really just don't know about. That's true. In interesting. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Huh. Well, um, anyway, you know, when, when you, now you're talking you're talking about when when the uh when the physical body passes and mm. then you have the the the, the uh, soul or life force or whatever's left what are your thoughts on that as far as uh, now you did state that you, you believe that there's part of it that goes into a, another realm another level maybe mm. there's some that stays on the earth plane but mm. what are your thoughts on that in particular and and what are your thoughts on in re reincarnation i definitely believe in reincarnation okay i believe that i mean earth cannot hold all of the light that is our full soul mm -hmm. and i believe that that full soul when it can be whole wherever it is that we come from Again, you know, it splits into the four parts. Two are here on Earth. And that could be like, that would explain your twin flame. When you meet your twin flame, your other half. Mm -hmm. And then the other two are your higher selves. The higher self that you can work with when you're doing your meditations, when you're learning your psychic abilities, when you're, you know, all of that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, that's kind of what I think about, about the soul. So um, let's say you're asked to come in on a case or you're asked to come in on a haunting or mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I really don't know exactly how you conduct, uh, you know, uh, 
investigations or such. But let's say someone it, it, it calls you in to, to take care of a haunting or or even if you're doing just some, some type of other work with them, how do mm-hmm. you proceed? How do you start off with them? Oh, gosh. Well, so going in on actual investigations to actual places is rather new for me. I've only okay. been to, like, there was two, two places. Once was when I was about 16, 17, when I was learning. I was going to healing group, and I was learning Reiki. I didn't have, you know, all of my attunements yet. And I was, I went along with my teacher, and she kind of showed me how she conducted it. You know, she would go in, and she had her singing bowl, and, you know, the different archangels that she would call upon, mm-hmm. the different energies that she would call in. She would talk to it directly, um, help it move on kind of a thing. And then when I went, when I was in Ohio, uh, I went to Fairfield. And, but I didn't oh, know did that you? that's where I was going. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, that's see, and I didn't know that that's where I was going. I, yeah. it was a complete surprise. It was a birthday surprise, actually. And what it was really interesting because when I had arrived at my friend's house, I was like, Hey, do you have a piece of paper and a pencil? Because I, I could see something in my head and it was a, it was a location in a building. So I sketched it out and I showed it to her and I said, does this have any meaning to you? And she was really surprised because there actually is a location in Fairfield that has this. Um, it's like a ramp with a, um, a railing. And so I didn't get to know anything other than that. I didn't okay. know, you know. So I go in. And everybody's getting set up. And I thought, okay, well, nobody's really doing anything. It seems pretty chill. And there's a couple other people looking around. And and I asked, I was like, so can I just go? (laughs) And they're like, yeah, sure. So I wandered off by myself down into the basement. And it felt pretty fine. And I remember thinking, I wonder what they used to do. What kind of entertainment did they have? And I found music. And so I, you know, I was in choir. So I learned, you know, learned how to read the the music notes. And I started humming it. And I was walking around humming. And that was kind of also helping settle my nerves a little bit. However, I had turned the corner. And I could literally feel a hand just reach up in the back of my head into my hair. And... I mean, it was just as real as you and me. And that thing, boom. I mean, I ran up all the stairs back to the group, white as a sheet. And they were like, you ran off, didn't you? I was like, well, (laughs) I thought it was okay. (laughs) So I, you know, that's what I did. But then afterwards I thought, okay, that was a really rare occurrence. What are the chances of that happening again? So I wandered off again. But nothing happened, you know, so. Yeah, you know, some people are under the impression that physical contact is is pretty, you know, it is consistent or does happen a lot. And actually it doesn't. Uh, You're right. It doesn't happen a lot. You know, I talk to people, you know, it seems that anybody that does have physical contact, they're out there and they're telling their story, but it does just does not happen that that much. 
-hmm. I have very rarely had physical contact. And when I did, it was something, some a psychic attack or something that, mm. you know, was part of something I was doing. But as far as being at a location and, and being touched, uh, that, that maybe one or two times, but very rarely. Right. Right. No, exactly. There's only been uh, two other times entire life that I have felt something touch me, really? you know, and I'm 35. So. Hmm. Okay. Well, let's talk about, let's talk about the case or the incident you had with uh, an alien being that I looked in, I looked at for you. Uh, yes. Kind of describe what happened and, you know, you know, what happened afterwards and such. Yeah. Um, so I, at the apartment complex that I was living at, I was writing for their little newsletter and mm -hmm. there, I was excited about earth hour and I thought, oh gosh, you know, it would be great because then our light pollution would be lowered and we could see the stars. Maybe we could all go outside and that, so I was on the patio when I was thinking about this and that is where my mind was. Well, from the corner of my eye, I saw this big puff of smoke and I thought, oh, gosh, you know, maybe it's somebody vaping and because I couldn't believe how much smoke that they could, you know, and but I looked for a person, but there was no person. Instead, this um, puff of smoke began to take form as a upright walking humanoid alien thing and I watched it walk down the road and it walked just like we do and um, I remember I, I stood there and I was staring at it and I was just thinking don't don't go to fear don't think anything because what if it's telepathic it'll know it'll look at you don't so you you have to clear your mind you cannot you know and and I was also frozen because I don't have fight or flight. <laughs> I freeze. Mm -hmm. And I I was barely breathing. I mean, I was holding my breath. And, and I was so scared that if I, when it came time to turn around and go into the house, I thought that it was going to appear right behind me on the patio. Right. Um, Oh yeah, I mean, I have. Never I knew you were shook up. Um, yeah, yeah, I was crying when I called you. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Um, yeah. So, so, what was the what was the lead up to the photograph? Well, after I had gotten inside, I called my sister because I was hysterical and I couldn't believe what I had seen. So. I was, I shut the patio door and I shut the, um, the curtains. And then I remembered that the kid's window was wide open and the curtains were open. So I ran in there and I shut the window, but I had the phone in my hand. She was on speakerphone at this point. Mm -hmm. And I had this feeling that I was being stared at. And I told her, and I didn't look yet. I was like, I, I feel like I'm being stared at. I, I'm afraid to look. And she was like, you know, I'm here. I'm on the phone. You know, it's fine. And I looked up and it was there in the window in the complex right across from me or the units. 
And so I took a picture because she was on the phone with me and I already had it on speakerphone. I could already see the screen and I was like, okay, it's just, it's just two clicks. So I clicked the camera and I lifted it up and I clicked it and then boom, as soon as I hit the capture button, I was holding the string for the blinds when I did it and I released the blinds. So they came down and it was over and it was done with and I left the room trying really hard not to let the kids know that because they're like, what are you doing? And I said something like I'm just being weird <laughs> and I left <laughs> and uh, I was. I, for ni the nights that followed because because this thing literally manifested out of nowhere out of literally nothing this fog just happened who's to say and, and then now it's over there who's to say that it can't just show up at the end of my bed mm. you know and and that's the thing is like i've had so many experiences in my life you know e even being here it was a couple months ago I have a um, a toolbox that was up on a shelf. Well, it was secure. Somehow it came off the shelf and landed on my dryer, which of course landed in a huge crash. And this is right as we're trying to go to sleep. And I was just like, not tonight, you know? And I went in there and I took the, the toolbox and I put it on the floor and I was just very firm, not tonight. And I went to bed. It was, but this I was, I, it, it, it takes a lot to shake me up. Well, I, if I remember correctly, the, um, this entity, you saw it in the courtyard below this apartment outside, right? It was, it actually came across the road and then, yeah, it came, was yeah. down by the white fence. It walked along right. the road down by the white fence. Right. Interesting. I mean, that that that's bizarre that that thing showed up like that. And I'll be honest with you, I still don't know what happened. I mean, right. I you know, this thing, I don't know. I'm pretty sure it was aware of you. And Nancy in the in the chat asked if you do you think this follows you even now? So that kind of jumps into. I don't know how to. Um. Recently, okay, there was a story that I did not put in my book. Okay. And the story that I didn't put in my book is where I'm starting my second book. Mm -hmm. And I have recently undergone a hypnotic regression. Oh, really? In regards to this experience. Um. I mean, I guess the short answer is it could be. I think that there are extraterrestrial connections with me. Mm -hmm. It's such a new subject for me to open up about. <laughs> Well, really? if, if you if you ever want to talk about it, you you know, all you got to do is call me because I've been through this myself. And uh, if you want to talk about that at some point, we can. Um, I appreciate that. No, that's no problem. Uh, because I've, you know, I, I've been taken and I've been shown things and, you know, uh, on several occasions. And, uh, 
I get it. I understand how it can, you know, how it can upset you. Um, but, uh, yeah, if you think this thing is following you, I don't blame you if, it, if you believe it's still around you. Um, yeah, I mean, it's the, the title of the, of my next book is paramorphosis, which is a word I kind of just came up with by combining paranormal and metamorphosis and squished them together for paramorphosis because, uh, what I am finding out, what I am leaning towards is that I believe that there is a, a big possibility that a lot of the paranormal experiences that I've had are actually uh, extraterrestrial in nature. And that wouldn't so surprise taking... me. Yeah. That would not surprise me because I, I, I have had a theory for a long time that most cryptids and such are, are ultra terrestrial beings and that there's a lot of there's a fine line but there's a lot of similarity between hauntings and uh, inter i mean uh non-terrestrial infestations and encounters right uh i have been on a few cases where they have been together now right why that is i don't know I mean, uh, you know, I, I, I think I think that there is a connection, though. And, I, you know, I, it does show. In fact, even with cryptid sightings, there's, mm -hmm. there's some non-terrestrial uh, involvement with these as well. Uh, I mean, I don't know what you talk, think about interdimensional uh, beings and, you know, from other, rea uh, other dimensions or possibly realities. I, I don't know what you think about that. But um, I think as time has time goes by, I think there's something we're going to understand more and more as time goes by, because I think there's going to be uh, people are going to start realizing that there is a connection and maybe just start tying a lot of this together. You know, I hear more and more and more uh, entity, not spiritual, but non-terrestrial entity cases now than i ever have right. and uh you know people are shook up when it happens to them and they, they they just look for answers and uh yeah i get it i do believe that the other beings uh have the ability to project mm -hmm. you know they do the screen memories and then they they can do projections because then we our attention is on that and not them Mm -hmm. Or they're, you know, what they're doing. So I do believe that it, it and as for the multidimensional, I have learned so much this year. Um, so much. I mean, even a little thing such as the thought of that maybe some ghosts, not all, but some ghosts are actually a time slip where you're viewing maybe into the past or into the future and that they're oh, not yeah. all just deceased and that's a brand new thought that has has come to me this year so i that, can uh, i can pretty well <laughs> confirm that to you right right yeah, i'm yeah, sure yeah yeah <laughs> um vincent asked there seems to be a type of person that experiences these things more than others uh have you had a near-death experience at some point I opened my book with it, actually. Um, I, I, I was in a, 
the car with my dad. We were going to Spokane, Washington for a postcard show because that's what what he would do. And uh, <laughs> the tread. So the t- so it it was really strange because I was in the front seat. I haven't actually really talked about this. <laughs> uh, I was in the front seat and there was a movie s- scene that played in my head and I thought it was really weird and I didn't want to think about it. It was of a car wreck and I sat up and as soon as I sat up, because I'm like, okay, well, I, I don't want to think about this. I sat up and I heard the a really loud pop sound, like mm. an explosion. And that was the, all the tread coming off of our tire. And then the next thing I know it's black. And when I come to we're upright Thankfully, we were in a small Ford Ranger pickup and the entire roof had had come in. And uh, so my dad laying across both of us and, you know, really saved us both. And um, we flipped, I think, twice. So, uh, yeah, I got I I only came out with uh, two stitches on the back of my hand. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. You know, I, I, I see this more and more with people who have near-death experiences or something comparable. Even people that go into surgery that mm-hmm. are under the knife. And uh, something seems to open up for them sometimes. And um, uh, I'm not saying it's that they, they all the time see the light or see whatever. You know, right. it, it, it's hard for them to describe. But it seems that when you know the event's over with, and you know they they recuperate and then they get home, then things start to happen that they can't mm-hmm. understand. Things open up for them. Uh, I mean, you've heard of people who have had going to comas and wake up speaking other languages and you know other right. things like that, and talking about things they experienced with. Uh, but yeah, I mean. You know, the, the human mind is really strange. Mm. And it, that's the one thing I, I, I think that's the one thing we really have no idea what's going on is, is the mind physically recreating or creating these scenarios? Or is there something mm. that that enter, does enter us during an event like that, that kind of, uh, I don't know, intensifies our abilities Maybe as a defense mechanism. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. That's definitely not um, not one that I've thought about a lot. I mean, I've had a couple. I, I had cesareans as well. So, mm-hmm. um, but it, it's definitely an interesting thought. That's for sure. Hmm. Well, uh, now you, you you call yourself, and I asked this before the show. You call yourself a. <laughs> A, a vampire witch. Uh, and yes. Your answer was pretty short, and I, I kind of understood it. But what do you describe <laughs> it as? So pretty much, you have the people that are in the vampire community. Like I have my fangs. I got them by Father Sebastian, and and his. You know that makes me part of the Sabretooth Clan. And uh, so when you have somebody that is within the vampire community that identifies as a witch, and uh, there you go. You've got your your vampire witch, and she's somebody as well that you know believes in in feminine empowerment and mm-hmm. uh, not being constrained by society's boxes that they try to put on women. And yeah, 
Well, I have dabbled <laughs> in the past. And, yeah. uh, I, you know, I don't know. I just, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm not proud of some of the things I've done. And I, I, I very rarely do it now. Mm-hmm. But uh, I used to do a lot of divination. And it's got me in a bind a couple of times. Uh, mm. But the one thing that, that I have consistently used over the years, and I use it for my cases as well, even mm. when I do RVs and stuff, are crystals. And yeah. I'm, I'm very, I, I'm, I'm just so attracted to them. And I, I do gather so much energy from them. Now, you mm-hmm. being a Reiki healer or a Reiki master, I mean, I'm quite sure you use them as well, right? I have uh, sometimes, but not all the time. Okay. Uh, it, it's more of the hands-on healing and mm-hmm. and calling upon the energies and everything. Uh, crystals are, it's interesting because I actually come from a long line of rock handers. So really? my, yeah, my dad, my grandpa, my great, great grandpappy, <laughs> they all went out and they'd go look for rocks, agates and crystals and I mean, you name it. We had so many rocks, agates that went. I mean, we had a rock garden that went around our entire house. Wow. It was huge. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've known a few rock hounds in my time. And uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 I'm not necessarily one of them. <laughs> I mean, I'm, 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 I kind of get the end product when it ends up in the shop. And when I see it, and yeah. Feel it, I say, <laughs> well, that's for me. But, you know, I, I haven't mm-hmm. really gone out and dug anything or looked for anything. Uh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you did say you had a Sasquatch experience. Yes. Uh, in Ohio, actually. Uh, can you tell, mm-hmm. tell us a bit about that? Yeah, actually. that So that one is the last story in my book. And it was actually the hardest one to write. And I, it really... The book stood between, you know, going to print and not all over this story. Is that right? It, yeah, because when you write, you relive your stories in a in such a different way than when you're talking about them. Because yeah. you're really wanting to paint that picture for your reader and you're really pulling them in that theater of the mind. And I had to put it down multiple times to try to get through it. It, it started out with going and doing a ghost investigation just to see if there was anything at this location. Really, no big deal. And we had somebody doing the Estes method, which is where you have your noise-canceling headphones and you're blindfolded and you're listening to a spirit box. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of stuff that came through that seemed to be attached to the land. So I had the idea that, okay... Well, maybe we need to go out in the woods and do this ghost investigation since whatever is talking through the spirit box seems to be so connected with the land. So we waited until nightfall. This was like a day later, maybe two days. But we went out there and we got everything set up. Now, I was asked because of my uh, being an empath and being able to feel things. We go in and they're like, so how you feeling? Well, I felt fine. I didn't notice that it was dead quiet because here in Oregon, it's pretty quiet. You go out into the woods at night. There's really not a whole lot, but man, over there in Ohio, it is an orchestra. 
I, I hadn't, you know, that was the first time I also saw any fireflies. It was a really special trip. And uh, so we go in there and we set everything up. And I'm like, okay, all right. And I sit down on the blanket. And I heard a, well, first I heard what was very clearly bipedal footsteps. And they were kind of behind me off to my right. But I just kind of was like, okay, you know, whatever. It's a bird or it's a, you know, just trying to rationalize it. And I didn't hear it walk very much. It was just a couple steps. But then I heard this really low, really low guttural growl. And my eyes shot over to the people that I was with and they had no reaction. And I'm like, okay, I'm the only one that heard this. I'm going to chalk it up to being a big <laughs> scaredy cat. So I stand up and I'm like, I'm just not going to have my back to that direction anymore. I'm going to stand up. So I stood up and I got one of the flashlights and I'm looking and I don't see anything at all. Nothing. Well, then I look over to the entrance on where we came and where this little uh, four-wheeler that we came in on was parked. And just, just barely out of the flashlight's reach, standing next to this tree, you could see a silhouette. And it's the perfect head and shoulder and I'm just staring at it and I'm like, I'm not here for you. This is not what I'm here for. <laughs> I'm not, this is, I'm like, this has never been a part of my reality. I'm not choosing this. <laughs> and so I, I take the flashlight and I go back to the area that I was first looking and I turn it off. And as soon as I turn the flashlight off, there was a really loud open-handed smack against the car that the four-wheeler that we'd driven on just this whack and i look at who i'm with and i'm just staring at them and they're laughing you know because normally if you are on an investigation and you're in a building there's going to be a lot of sounds but we were out in the woods and but it still didn't register so i'm just froze at this point and they're asking me, they're like, are you okay? And I went to shake my head, yes, because, of course, I wanted to be brave. But I, I immediately was like, no, no, I need to go to the field. I really want to go to the field. I don't want to be in here anymore. And they're like, okay, okay, we'll, we'll go. So we loaded everything up, and we drove out to the field. Well, we get the blanket out again. And I'm like, okay, I'm feeling good all right, here we go. You know, this is, this is a good place to be. And, uh, cause in there, it was also this feeling that I was in something's territory, but again, I didn't really have, was it me being afraid or was it something? I just couldn't tell yet. So we're on the blanket and I was with Heather Mosier from Small Town Monsters, and she gets out her phone, and she plays the 1994 recording of the Ohio Howl. 
And out of the woods, the same tone, the same cadence, everything, and so loud, just comes right from where we were, right from where we were. And I'm frozen, and in this moment, I'm thinking, okay, monsters really do exist. I'm done. <laughs> like, I'm good. I'm done. And before we could get back in the vehicle, it sounded like something ripped up a tree and smashed it against another tree. And at that point, like, we had jumped in the vehicle, and I'm just like, go, 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 because I, I was done, overdone, you know, and in that moment, I don't ever have to work or look. I don't ever have to look for Sasquatch. I don't have to. I'm good. I, I'm a knower. <laughs> it exists. <laughs> so, yeah. This didn't happen to be a South, Southeast Ohio, did it? Um, yes. Okay. That's what I thought. <laughs> that just flashed to me. I, I figured that's where it was. Um, do you think that you being an empath, do you think that you had a connection with this thing somehow? Well, it gets a little bit more interesting on that note. Okay. Because there's two camps in the Sasquatch world where you've got the people that believe that he rides UFOs and chills with aliens. Mm -hmm. And then you have the other half that are like, no, nah, it's, it's no different than the Great Panda. You know, and uh, just a, a physical, regular animal. Well, I was like, okay, well, process of elimination. I wonder what would happen if we got out the spirit box and tried to communicate with it. I mean, because you just don't know. Why not? You know, for fun. And we were back at base camp as well, so I felt safe. <laughs> and so we we got it out. And we put uh, Heather back on the on the Estes method, and stuff started coming through. And it was really interesting because the other people that I was with, you could hear movement around us. And then off on this ridge, there's this tree in the moonlight, and you could see that same silhouette, and it was almost like it was swaying back and forth. And all of a sudden, Heather says, see, you see me. And it was, I mean, it was just right on cue. And again, she can't see this. She can't hear anything that's going on. Mm -hmm. Well, then another person uh, turns on a flashlight and is pointing it over in this direction. And then, boom, Heather is like, bright, too bright. So, boom, we turned it off. Well, from there stuff like they were talking about how they were once worshipped but now they're a myth and there was talk about the land how things aren't that something's missing but it's not just that things are missing from the land it's something with with the people there's a mm -hmm. disconnect between people and the land and them i mean this was a really intense session mm -hmm. and but towards the end, there was something else that started to come through. And I could see it in my mind. And somebody else saw it as well. He told me what he saw, which confirmed what I saw. 
And it was this, the, the, the best word I could use is trickster because it looked like it had antlers, like it's got this deer face. And then Heather would talk in a sing song type of a voice when this thing would come through. And as it came through, it was like they just backed off and disappeared and they were no longer there. And then it said some stuff about our children and we cut it off. We were done at that point. It, mm. We disconnected and, and that was, that was that. That sounds like a, it sounds like a woodland spirit or protector. Yeah. I don't know. It's, um, it, it was, it was such an, a multi-layered experience, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, no, I, I've had people tell me about uh, these uh, these sentinels or protectors that that seem to show up mm-hmm. after uh, cryptid encounters, in particular Bigfoot, uh, mm-hmm. that just show up. Um, I think Vincent mentioned Faye. I I don't know. There's a things that I mean the old world name was a leshy was a uh, type of mm-hmm. a woodland spirit. Uh, but I've heard people talk about it, you know, here that mm. they, they get these, not necessarily apparitions, but there's, they're actual physical beings, but they sense something. Um, I, I think that that's very possible. I, um, mm. I don't know. Have you ever heard of, what if it was the other way around where Sasquatch was like, if you have Sasquatch and you have a Wendigo, could the Sasquatch protect against? Oh, a I don't know. Maybe. Or... You know, when you talk about Wendigos, you're talking basically about a possessed human. Uh, it's not True. necessarily a shape shifting being or like what people think they are, like uh, these, these flesh eating. Sometimes they have antlers and, and such. Um, right. I, I think when you're getting to the spirit world, as far as the indigenous, be the indigenous folks and and what they interpreted them as i I think you get there but i think when you talk about actual wendigos and possessions of humans that turn into cannibals and that type of thing you know Mm. chad lewis wrote a hell of a good book about wendigos (laughs) yes i need to pick that up yeah that that book it kind of opened my eyes because he really went into detail with it and uh yeah, I mean, I always thought it was more of um, more of a cryptid as opposed to an actual right. pos- possessed human. But uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, it it could be. I don't know. There's a lot of things out there. I mean, you know, yeah. th- there's more stuff out there than we really know about. And mm. uh, every once in a while, somebody will come forward with something that's like, mm, you know, what is that? You know, right. what what are people? What is that they're describing? Um, I've definitely learned that the more I am in this field and the more that I learn, I realize the less I know, and I will probably always be a student. There's no way to, well, I'm always really learn it all. I'm always, yes, (laughs) I mean, there's no experts as far as I'm concerned, exactly. You know, Mm -hmm. you're learning all the time. I got an interesting question. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peace asked, Lon, do you ever get together with other empaths to do on-site 
research. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I mean, many many of the people on, on the team are actual psychics and empaths and intuitives, and I think that's important. I think that's a big part of of what we do. I think that is an important part of the research, actually being able to go beyond uh, go beyond the uh, you know the physical world and, and, and see what's going on, get a sense of what's going on. And, you know, being an empath, getting a sense of what the being is or or the spirit or even the person who's have or the victim, you know, the actual eyewitness. Mm. I, I think that has a lot to do with it. And I'll be honest with you, those type of investigations where we use that type of those type of abilities tend to get solved. Because yeah. we usually bring something out that they're either reluctant to talk about. And it is important, though they felt it wasn't, and then we we get some more answers. Uh, I've been I've been involved with stuff like that before, and uh, it happens all the time. So I think that I is think that's uh, great. Yeah, I think that is important. Evans uh, <laughs> wants to know: Do you think your Irish heritage influences your paranormal <laughs> belief? You I think know. every Irish I think every Irishman's <laughs> got something about. You know, you're talking about your Irish heritage, and mm-hmm. and uh, you were talking about Appalachia, and they people, and, and most of the people that moved to Appalachia were, were Irish. I mean, right. when, when you get into Appalachia and, and start going deep into the customs, the music, the the folklore, it, mm-hmm. it all goes back to the old world, you know. Oh yeah, no, it's it's been amazing to get to know because all of my Irish ancestry is on my maternal side, mm-hmm. and I became my family's genealogist, and it was really cool because there are I found an article that there are certain uh, gods and goddesses that in Irish tradition they say, oh well, this clan is descended. From, you know, like uh, Fladeus, the forest goddess. And actually, mm-hmm. one of my surnames is actually connected to her. So I thought that that was really amazing. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff there. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's always interesting when we get an actual Irish person come up with something and tell you something. Like, I had no idea what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> Uh, I'm actually going to Ireland soon in July. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. Mike Ricksicker has a tour that uh, it's a it's a haunted Ireland tour, and so it's going to be nine days going to the different wow. castles and Spike Island Prison, and it's just, I mean, I can't wait. <laughs> huh. Um, Vincent wanted to ask if you, do you do any remote viewing? Oh man. <laughs> I do. I like to play with. I do actually. Yeah. It's something that I have a lot of fun with. Normally I, I really only do it with my friends. I go, Hey, can I do this? And and then let's see how accurate I am. I actually, so before I saw the entity that I called you about, Mm -hmm. I, for fun (laughs) with my sister, remote viewed the Montauk base and uh, I gave gave that a shot and Mm -hmm. it was a it was a very interesting experience because I could 
I could see it was like I was there on the property and it was like it was fall and there was leaves and I could feel them crunch under my feet. And then all of a sudden, like I found this this hole in the ground and I descended into it. And then all of a sudden I was standing on this this grate where there were stairs and it looked like it was a tunnel and it was it was lit up. So you knew that people were still there. But as I stood there to try to survey my surroundings, my attention got pulled off to the left. And something out of the darkness, something I, like, I've seen monster movies and I, you know, all kinds of stuff. But you can't, like, I still couldn't piece it together. It's not like it took, you know, Alien versus Predator and smushed it up with Godzilla, you know, or anything Mm -hmm. like that. And it comes, it just, it just came at me like it was aware that I was there, which just took me right out of it. And I have never, I I haven't done remote viewing unless it's with my friends since. Wow. I, uh, I was trained as a remote viewer and, um, I, I actually did an interview last this week with Lynn Wallington about remote viewing. And I nice. had I, I hadn't talked about it. I haven't talked about it removing for years, right? And um, but you know I do use it. Um, I, I work with I have worked with a lot of people using it in teams mm-hmm. and such, but uh, I use it on my cases. Oh, I'm I do sure. Do use it on my case, and it, 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 it's it's very helpful. Of course, me being intuitive. Uh, right. that kind of interferes with some, some points sometimes, and it can mm-hmm. be annoying, but, um, you know, the one thing I ha- have said, I-, I think anybody can do remote viewing. I think anybody who, oh yeah, I think anybody can be a remote viewer. If you do the process mm-hmm. and, uh, you stick with it and, uh, you know, uh, you get in the right frame of mind about it and, uh, just let yourself go along with it. And, um, mm-hmm. I think more people would be surprised at what they can come up with oh i agree i think that we all have psychic abilities and that they can be learned and and we can develop them mm-hmm. we just i mean it's it's our brain is a muscle just like the rest of our body mm-hmm. so i do i do agree with you there mm. yeah yeah well why don't you tell folks how they can, well, first of all, tell folks what you're going to be doing, what you're up to, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, what you're going to, you got a new, you're going to working on, you're working on another book. Are you going to be at any <laughs> conferences? Is there anything that you want them to know and how they get in touch with you? Sure. So, I mean, I'm definitely excited to go to Ireland in July and I will be posting all kinds of stuff from the trip there. There's going to be a lot of investigations that are taking place, especially uh, doing the overnight at Spike Island Prison. That's going to be um, fascinating. I will definitely try my best to go live while I'm there. I am. I just signed my contract for my second book. So that is definitely kind of what I'm doing when I'm not actively doing interviews or, you know, what have you. So I'm definitely writing that. And then um, to find my first book, it's on Amazon. You can also message me on Facebook under Anne Celine and I can get you a author signed copy. Uh, let's see. You can check out KPNL Radio. 
Uh, it's kpnl-db.com, Caravan of Lore. And as for like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, same thing. Just type in KPNL Radio or the Caravan of Lore and you'll find it all down there. Uh, someone by the name of Paranormal Hort says that oh, my if you're going to be releasing <laughs> the book, an audio book, you'd be wonderful at narrating. Uh, I, I want to. Um, we're still, I, I have to get with the publisher uh, in regards to making the audio book. Right. Uh, but that is, it, it will be me. When it gets published, uh, it will be me reading it. Great. <laughs> well, like I said before, if you, if you want to contact me about anything, Thank I'm you. more than willing to listen and, you know. You know, oh, I would I love do. that. I would love to connect. It's it's such a a new rabbit hole for me, and especially with the uh, with the hypnotic regression that I did. Yeah. Uh, you know, I I went and I did that, and I talked about it that night, and I haven't talked about it since. <laughs> you know, I didn't really go into uh, what I saw, but in the next several <clears throat> days after what I saw was confirmed by listening to other people's stories, which mm-hmm. you know, there again. Um, you know, so it means a lot. Okay, feel, feel free. So, um, hey, you have a good weekend, and uh, I'll be talking to you soon. Yes, thank you. Goodbye, everyone. You take care. <laughs> now, uh, if you have an unexplained encounter sighting, feel free to contact me directly at lawnstrickerfamsamonsters.com or through the Fams and Monsters blog site. Also, if you... Uh, if you'd like your encounter sighting read on the show <clears throat> or placed on Fams and Monsters, forward to my email for consideration. I want to again thank uh, Anne Celine for joining me this evening. And thanks to each and all of you for watching and chatting. And if you, you made a donation, it's truly appreciated. Your support is what makes all this possible. Uh, please click the subscribe button and also become a member of Fams and Monsters Radio. Now, next week, adductee and author Lisa O'Hara will be joining us. Uh, Lisa experienced multiple encounters and abductions during her life, and she will talk about how she fought back. So it should be a very interesting show. So until next week, stay healthy and have a safe, enjoyable weekend. Good night. 